We're, we're continuing our series this morning, Start As You Mean To Go On, uh, and today it's called The Sabbath, as uh, has already been mentioned. So the series that we got, is, it's one that um, Wayne started when he first came here, Start As You Mean To Go On, it's a good one for him, isn't it, to, uh, to make his first series. Um, but it's based on a book, we're using a book, um, that's the book, looks a bit plain, doesn't it, as books go, um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. But we're only using that as a guide. At first, though, I did wonder how it might relate across the whole church. I mean, I can see how it would apply to those who are studying or working, uh, to young families, got young children rushing around trying to uh, meet all the demands of juggling childcare, clubs, schools, and all the stuff that they have to do whilst trying to work as well and then others being torn with different responsibilities. But for some of us, it's, life's not quite as busy as that, is it? It's somewhat quieter. Um, and perhaps, if we're honest, sometimes we'd like to get a bit more speed back into our youthful days, um, get a bit more activity into our lives. But there's a subtitle on the book, which you might be able to read, but I've enlarged there, and it's called how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. It doesn't roll off the tongue, does it, particularly well. Probably not the reason why they didn't use it as the main title. Um, but, you know, the world is fast, isn't it? The modern world, it can get a bit chaotic at times. And that, that subtitle gives a, a bit of a different spin to it. You know, it's not just about being busy, busy, busy. You know, it's how to cope as things seem to be so fast around us. Because chaos and pressure can come from lots of different ways. Suddenly something else takes over. You start one thing and something else distracts you onto another. But the book's helpful, but it's only a guide. In the end, the right thing, the main thing, is that we have our authority in the Bible. Now, I know you've had different speakers each week. Um, and that can be a problem but it can also bring a richness can't it it can bring different experiences different perspectives you know there might be a little bit of repetition um, but that can also help to remind us of things and and to link things together uh, as well of course Uh, David Maggie good to see you but you know whether we have different people speaking or Um, there's a little bit of repetition. What we do have to remember is that God is over it all and he's going to bring everything together. He's going to want to say to us what it is that we need to hear. Now, hurry or or busyness, however we like to talk about it, that can be an enemy, a problem in our spiritual lives because if the devil can distract us from reading our Bibles, from praying, from worshipping, or even just taking rest, when we try to set aside time for God, then that's a success for him. It's it's one nil the devil. But it was Corrie ten Boom who said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. It's that distraction. They can have the same effect, sin and busyness, cutting off our connection with God or to other people. It can drag us down spiritually. Now Jesus, I mean, he was busy, but he filled his life with things that matter. And when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, we all know it, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he followed that on, of course, with 
love your neighbour as yourself. Love takes time. You can't hurry love. There was a song, wasn't there, right? You can't hurry love. Remember that song? A long time ago. Sorry, you probably don't remember it, but it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Look it up. It was still a good one. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, for some reason, uh, sorry, so there is a reason you know, why people talk about walking with God. Not running with God. We walk with God. Because God is love and it takes time to walk rather than to run. There actually isn't much you can do in a hurry that you can't do better at a slower pace when you think about it. I remember my mum saying, more haste, less speed. <laughs> it uh, always was coming up, wasn't it? Or, or think of the story of the hare and the tortoise. And how many times at school did the teachers say, if he or she took a bit more time or care, then they could do better. It's, uh, haste can be a problem. So the world recognises that time invested can lead to better outcomes. And it's the same with God. <coughs> we don't want to become rushed and distracted and preoccupied in our lives. Because then we end up having that mediocre relationship with God. You know, as I was preparing, I was reminded four times of how easily I can be distracted. I had four messages on my phone next to me. And each time, it was bleeping at me. And as I thought about that, there was another bleep. Constantly, these distractions. Of course, I could have turned it off, I could have left it downstairs, but then I'd be thinking or worrying about whether I was missing the message, which is another distraction which can so easily take you down the wrong route. Yeah, life can be fast. Yeah, or it might just fear that we're, we're missing out. You know, we have to be careful not to miss out on God's best for us. And when Jesus was talking about being the good shepherd, he said that others had come only to steal, to kill and to destroy, but that he had come that we might have life and to have it to the full. The Gospels, we've got four of them, tell us all about the miracles Jesus performed and the parables that he taught. But if you actually follow the narrative around those that run through the Gospels, then we see how Jesus lived. We can see and understand what was important to him and how he led his life to reflect that importance. We see his relationship with God, how he maintained it, how he spent time on his own with God. We know he often had crowds pushing in around him. And Jesus could have spent more time healing, performing miracles, righting wrongs. But he prioritised his relationship with God. He withdrew from time to time. He took time out. He had a rhythm to his life. He showed us how to live by the way he lived. He didn't just tell us what to do. He showed us. He gave us a structure to help us to build on. One that would help us to grow. It's a bit like a, a trellis that trains the vine. So it, it produces the best grapes. Without a trellis, the vine would just go along the ground and it wouldn't yield all that it could. But if you get it up, trained on a trellis, it gives the sun and the space. It gives the opportunity for it to be fruitful and to grow in the right way. 
So Jesus didn't just give us a, a list of things to do and tell us to follow them. Because that would just be legalistic. Instead, he said, follow me. Do what I do. Behave how I behave. Live as I live. Or put another way, be my apprentice and you're not going to get fired. Um, take the template of my life. Make it your own. Living the way Jesus lived shouldn't be difficult. I mean, he set the example. He showed us how to live life God's way. And then he said, and I've paraphrased it a little bit, if you're tired of the way you've been doing it and want rest for your souls, then come. Take up the easy yoke and copy the details of my life. And of course he said to the fishermen, come, follow me. And he gives that same call today. Now I know that's a a little bit of a long introduction, if you like, but it relates to the Sabbath as well. And I wanted to give it some sort of context. Now, of course, we all know what the Sabbath is, don't we? It's today. You know, it's the day you go to church. Perhaps the day you have a Sunday roast. Uh, and then, of course, you get on with whatever it is that you do on a Sunday. What does the Bible say about that? It says, the very first time it's mentioned... In Genesis 2, 1 to 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. It's a funny translation, and the way it's worded. He rested from all the creating that he had done. (laughs) Yeah. Most of, our lives, you know, most of our lives, we spend trying to satisfy our desires. Now, we might not consciously set out with that thought in our minds that we're trying to satisfy our desires, that we've got that aim, but actually, that's what we do. Why do we get out of bed in the morning? There's always something to do. And that's why we get up, to fulfil that desire to get things done or to improve our lives. Now, I know that some of these things won't sound like a desire, but bear with me. You've got to do the washing, the cleaning, or the shopping. You've got to follow a hobby or an interest, to get off to school or to work. Perhaps you're up early to spend time with the Bible before things get too busy. Or it might be you've got a hospital appointment or something similar. But we get up to do those things, to fulfil the things we need to get done. Desire is not a bad thing, of course not. It can be a great motivator in our lives, but we need to keep it under control and not let it take over. Because desire is rarely fully satisfied. I mean, as she says, in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. It always wants more. Now, another song, you might know this one, another song from the Rolling Stones in the 60s, I can get no satisfaction, but I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and so on. Always want something more. Now, you know, I was preparing yesterday morning, and just after I'd written this, I got into the car, and I turned on my radio, and they were playing, I can't get no satisfaction. Honestly, they were, I couldn't believe it. We know that we're made to live for God, don't we? But, we're also made to, to need God. We're made to relate to God. And so we can only really be fully satisfied 
by the one who's infinite, who's eternal and able to supply all our need. If we step away from God, well, we still have desires and so we focus on the things the world offers instead of what God offers. Our desires are so easily fed by advertising, by social media, perhaps advertising more for the older generation, perhaps social media more for the younger, but that's a generalisation. Whichever one it is, the messages are similar. Have this, eat this, drink this, watch this. Be this if you're on social media. You see the best part of people's lives, the bits they choose to post. They don't choose the bits they don't want you to see. And so you can be led into believing that being like them is the way to be. When we get older, we think we're wiser. In fact, we are a little bit but we're still susceptible to clever marketing. How many gadgets and aids are there on the market to make life easier? They wouldn't advertise if they didn't think we'd buy. Of course, some are great and they do make a big difference, but there are many that sell a false dream. You know, aspirational lifestyles are constantly being presented to us, aren't they? Lifestyles that are fake, but seem attractive. So what does Jesus say about the Sabbath? Well, actually, not a lot. He <laughs> doesn't actually say much at all. But perhaps that's because his father had already said what needed to be said. But what Jesus did do, as I said, was to live it, to show it, so that his disciples, his apprentices, would see and understand. In Jesus' time, the Sabbath had become legalistic with many rules about what could or couldn't be done. I did look things up, actually, but you know, there is a rules about flushing the toilet, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> but there are rules, there were rules, about everything. So legalistic. But Jesus showed a better way, God's way. Sabbath might sound a bit old-fashioned these days. It's not a word that we use much, not even in church. I mean, most of us think of it as a Jewish day, a Saturday. We might know that it starts on a Friday evening and finishes on a Saturday evening and that the early Christians decided to meet on the first day of the week rather than the seventh, the Sabbath. Well, that was really, of course, for practical reasons. Not that they were doing away with the Sabbath, but many early Christians were Jews. And they still attended synagogue on the Sabbath. And then they met with fellow believers the next day. Now, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew Shabbat, which literally means to stop. To stop everything. Stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying. So not just stop working, not just have a day off, but stop wanting, stop worrying, just stop. When things get a bit too much or too fast, I have heard people say, stop the world, I want to get off. Well, you know, it's a bit like that with Sabbath, but you don't have to get off. Just stop. Jews usually greet each other on the Sabbath with the greeting Shabbat Shalom. And the simplest meaning of Shalom is peace, so peaceful Sabbath. But Sabbath is more than just a day. It's a way of living in the world. It's a spirit of restfulness that comes from living in the Father's presence throughout the week. Remember what Jesus said about his yoke. The Sabbath is the culmination 
of that way of living. And so it relates back to what hopefully Norbert was saying last week about silence and solitude. Now I've got two lists to put up now. And I'm not going to ask you which one best describes you for six days of the week. Of course, on the 7th, we all put on our Sunday best, don't we? But what about the other six days of the week? I mean, if you're anything like me, then you'd probably recognise yourself to varying degrees on both lists. We probably all want to be more like the list on the left. That's your left, (laughs) not my left. But we're all a work in progress, aren't we? And we need to keep on making progress. The pressures in the world and, and the influences that come to bear can tend to push us a bit more onto the list on the right. As I said earlier when I quoted Corrie ten Boom, if the devil can make you sin, he'll make you busy. Now perhaps the, some of those things on the, on the list on the right don't actually look as though they make you busy. But think of it another way. If you fill your time which is another way of saying you're busy, if you fill your time with greed, with worry, with anxiety, or seeking to be affirmed, then there's not so much room for gratitude, for trust, for joy, and for seeking to bless others. Or another way of thinking it might be that if we fill our lives with the things on the right for six days of the week, it's going to be very difficult to fill the the seventh day of the week with the list on the left. You know, Sabbath focuses on a day, but it's also a way of living our lives. Now, you probably know that toy shop, the entertainer. You may or may not know it's actually owned by a Christian family. Now, I recently read an interview with the MD, which he said, we make no secret that the entertainer's business operates on strict Christian values. We're Christians and therefore it's important to us that we live our Christian faith. It's not like we're Christians and so we go to church on Sunday and then the rest of the week is knives out. It's not like that. It's asking ourselves, how are we living out our faith in our lives? You might know that they don't open on Sundays. They made that decision. They wanted that day to be special, not just for them as a family, but, as he went on later in the interview to say, we had lots of mothers, fathers, grandparents, children that work in our stores, and they need a day to be together. They didn't want a conflict between their business and their faith. As he said, being Christian doesn't just mean going to church on Sunday. Now when Jesus and his disciples were talking through the, walking, not talking, walking through the cornfields on, on uh, one Sabbath day, the disciples picked some corn and the Pharisees, they criticised them for working on the Sabbath. Jesus corrected them and went on to say, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath for our benefit, not his, and not to restrict us. We're restored both physically and spiritually when we take time to rest. For the Pharisees, Sabbath law had become more important to them than Sabbath rest. 
Sabbath was given for our benefit. It was given to us by God to enjoy, to release us, to refresh us, to help us to see God, to help us to align ourselves with him, to rest after the week that has been and to prepare for the week that's to come. I mean, we know in the armed forces, they often, after a time, uh, a tour of duty, then they have R&R, rest and relaxation. Time to rest, to recover, to be restored for the next posting. And it's the same principle. I know most of us are retired and we might be thinking that we don't need another break. We don't need another day off. We've got enough of those as it is. But to specifically set time aside and to sit with God is important. It might be that the rhythm of life means that it's best for you to be done on a Monday or a Thursday or a Saturday rather than a Sunday. But it's important to have that time to be able to focus on what's important in our lives, on God, on building our relationship with him. We can get so absorbed with the things of life that we let them take over rather than focusing on what or who really matters. And then also to combine that with rest. In Genesis 2, it says that after working on creation for six days, God rested. Was he tired or burnt out? I don't think so. I've already said that the Hebrew word Shabbat means to stop but it can also be translated to take time to delight. And so it's got that double meaning, that double idea of stopping and delighting. God was pleased. It says that he was pleased with all that he had made. And he stopped and enjoyed it. He set aside a day to delight in his world. I mean, we know that to a degree when we do something well and you step back and you think, yeah, that's good. Now there's something else about the Sabbath that we can easily miss because it says that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. In the creation story, God blessed only three things. He blessed the animal kingdom and told them to be fruitful and multiply. He blessed mankind and told them to be fruitful and multiply. And he blessed the Sabbath. I wonder whether that's an indication that just like living things, the Sabbath has a life-giving capacity to renew, to recreate. It's where our word recreation comes from. Recreation. God made the Sabbath for man. He knew what he was doing. And then so important to God was the Sabbath that he included it right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. And it's also one of the longest of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus, when God first gives the commandments to Moses, it starts, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Remember, it's a sort of word that's part way between a command and an encouragement, depending how you say it. God knew it would be easy to get sucked in by the speed of life, easy to let things overtake us, worries and concerns, easy to become overwhelmed by the many things that actually we have little or no influence over. And so easy to let peace and contentment take a back seat. So God says, remember, 
to set time aside for rest, for worship, and to recenter your lives on what matters. And this command, is, my commandment, is actually different to the other nine in that God also gives a reason for setting the day aside. He doesn't say, don't kill because, but he does give here a reason. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So if it's right for God, then it must be right for us. And of course, he didn't just tell us, Jesus showed us. Now, after some time, we know that Israel went into slavery. And they were slaves to the Egyptians. They were treated harshly because that was the reality of being an Egyptian slave. After the Exodus, and before they entered the Promised Land, Moses gave the Ten Commandments again. But this time, there was a change in the world. So, instead of saying, remember the Sabbath day, he says, observe the Sabbath day. And he goes on to explain how they should observe it. But he finishes by saying, remember that you were slaves and that God brought you out. Therefore, the Lord has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. That's quite a shift from the first time the Ten Commandments were given. The first time, when they were given, they were grounded in the creation. All about the creation and the rhythm of life. But when Moses restates the commandments to a new generation who'd been in slavery, who hadn't been able to to, um, remember the Sabbath because you don't get a day off when you're a slave, I'm afraid, he's recognising how much the things of the world can crowd in, how easily things can take over. And he's really emphasising the need to observe the Sabbath, not allowing ourselves to get absorbed or shape other things around us. We don't always use our time well. Of course, as we get older, we tend to get more time, I know. Although, before I retired, someone did say to me, I'd be wondering soon how I find time to go to work, and I do sometimes wonder that. (laughs) But we do have more time, if we're honest. Even if we're not able to get out much, and even if we'd love to turn the clock back a bit, you know, it will be good practice to stop to use the time we have well, to reflect on the goodness of God, to be thankful for all he has given us, to consider all that God has done, to spend a bit more time meditating on scripture, to pray, perhaps to read a Christian book or listen to Christian music. They're all good practices to build us spiritually and to concentrate our focus. But there's also more to a Sabbath than spiritual disciplines. Why was Jesus walking through the cornfields on a Sabbath day? We don't know exactly why, but it doesn't say he was going somewhere. He wasn't on his way somewhere. It just seems to be just going for a walk with his disciples, taking a bit of time out. That's something he enjoyed. Let's do what we enjoy. God's given us lots of pastimes to enjoy. If you like doing jigsaw, set aside time to do one. Play a game, whether it be a ball game or an electronic game, whatever it is. Read a novel if that's what you enjoy. You might like painting or knitting or other crafts or writing or simply tinkering with things. Whatever it is, you know, we can enjoy them. If we we can and want to go out for a walk, enjoy God's creation, meet up with friends or family to be entertained or to entertain. 
perhaps take time to look through a photo album and remember. As much as we're able, let's take time out from what we normally do during the week. Take delight in all that God has given us as he did in all that he created. Now I know that the COVID pandemic was dreadful period for us all, but there were a few things that came out of that that were good. Because we were only allowed out for an hour a day, we went out for an hour a day. We went out for a walk. We went and saw things, walked around areas we hadn't walked around before. We bumped into people, not literally, because you had to be two metres away, but you, you saw people we didn't know before. You built, actually built new friendships. Life was slower. We took time. And yes, it was frustrating. Yes, it was difficult. But some of it actually helped us to slow down in life. God set aside the Sabbath to stop and delight and he told us to remember to do the same. It's not a waste of time, but vitally important for our physical, mental and spiritual health. Let's remember that God created us and so he knows best. And whilst the Sabbath day is given to us, Shabbat is more than a 24-hour slot each week. It is that spirit of restfulness in God that goes with us through the week and it should be woven into us. A way of living, having that sense of ease and gratitude, appreciation, peace and prayer. It's a way of living from a position of rest and contentment that then leads into the Sabbath day. I have to be honest that the irony isn't lost in that it fell to me to speak about rest and Sabbath. Now, I'm not known for taking rest. I find it quite difficult. (coughs) But I'm trying to listen as well as speaking this morning. And I finish with a verse from Psalm 91 that Roger opened with at our Tuesday prayer meeting this week. It says, Whoever dwells in in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's how we should be going through life.